Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Thriller Podcast. Today we are talking McAfee. He's in the news. Ethereum ASIC miners. Oh, yeah, all kinds of stuff. Then we're diving into our main topic, Bitcoin year one. That's right. Thriller Podcast starting now. Welcome to Thriller with Car Gonzalez. Broadcasting from Austin, Texas. Via SoundCloud and supported by listeners like you. It's time for the news. 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 Thriller with Car Gonzalez. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another exciting episode of Thriller Podcast. Today is a very busy day. That's right. Crypto is all over the place today, and we're going to dive into the news right now. We got Mt. Gox, ex-CEO Carpella, says he doesn't want leftover $1 billion post-liquidation funds. If you guys don't know who Carpellis is, go back and check out the old uh, Thrill Podcast episode where we did it on Mt. Gox. That was a great episode. And it tells you all about the history of Mt. Gox, how it collapsed and everything. It's pretty awesome. It's one of my favorites. Go back and check out that episode. But the former chief executive of what was once Bitcoin's largest exchange has again apologized for his role in the company's 2014 collapse. In a Reddit post on Wednesday, Carpellis issued a letter to exchange users, many of whom have locked in a years-long battle to achieve funds lost by the exchange, because Lord knows he lost a lot of people money. He says, I don't want this. I don't want this billion dollars. From day one, I never expected to receive anything from this bankruptcy. The fact that today this is a possibility is an aberration, and I believe it is my responsibility to make sure it doesn't happen. You know, that's the smartest thing he's said so far. He said he go on he goes on to say, I never imagined things would end this way, and I am forever sorry for everything that's taken place and the all the effect it had on everyone involved. Yeah, there's if you guys don't know, go check out the old uh, old episode. We talk at great lengths about the the casualties of that. Next up, we got Bitman. Bitman releases ETH ASIC miners. That's right. Chinese tech giant Bitman Jihan Wu they have released an uh, ETH ASH ASIC miner, uh, and it, this just happened yesterday. Uh, so according to their tweet, they said, the world's most powerful and efficient ET hash ASIC miner. The units will retail for $800 each, and of course, they only take Bitcoin cash. <laughs> so there's that's that's just the fire that they're playing with. And... It's gonna it's gonna be a bad mofo apparently. It looks legit as hell. It uh, it you know it's one of those things where I'm like, man, if I was a miner, like if I was into mining, which I you know I kind of am. I dip my toes into Monero mining. Um, and you know, long ago we did the whole um, I forget was it. I don't remember the mine, the other stuff I mined, but uh, we just did a little bit here, you know. But if I was really gonna go all in, I would definitely mine Ethereum. That's just me. Anyways, 800 bucks, that's not bad. That's not bad at all. So just saying, if anybody's looking into getting into mining, $800 Ethereum miner. Pretty cool. Next up, we got John McAfee. So this dude is back in the news again. It almost seems like, you know what? It almost seems like he's just in the news every day or almost every week. John McAfee, computer programmer and founder of the antivirus software, he tweeted, we finally wrote down how our promotional tweets work. It's self-aggrandizing and ego-stroking for us. However, if you're planning an ICO, trying to boost the coin 
or want to shine a light on your latest project, you should overlook our swollen egos and see McAfeeCryptoTeam.com. Yeah, it's it's kind of sad that um, it's kind of sad that crypto is you know in the early days where people are making money. Because believe me, guys, I, I've been offered money to have somebody perhaps to have somebody for I've been offered how much was it and it was it was when like it was last year when I said it on the podcast but it was somewhere around I think it was like 25,000 and um somebody wanted to pay me that much just to talk to like to pump their coin and I was like no I'm not going to do that like I'm not going to do that I'm just not that dude you know I'm just not that I'm just not that guy like I'm not the guy for that job um I know a lot of people are like you know, I would have totally done it or, you know, just me. I'm just not I'm not built that way. I just never have. I'm just it's one of those things where I'm not really um, I'm not really about money. It's kind of funny, even though I have a, a coin talk show and everything like like the way I, my personality is. I've never really been interested in money. I'm just not somebody that gets money hungry. That's why I'm very giving to people like, you know, I'll give you the shirt off my back if you need it more than me. Like I'm just a very giving person. Um, so, you know, money was never the driving force with crypto. It was always the technology. It was always the people in the space that were fascinating. It was always the stories. You know, it's the reason the stuff that we talk about through a podcast is very much a lot of my interests and y'all's interests too as well. But it was never dealing with the money. Like that was second fiddle to why I started this podcast. Now, don't get me wrong. I would love to have some money to make this podcast self-sufficient like that. That is most definite. And if, you know, somebody came up to me and offered me, you know, 50 or 60, $70,000 a year to do this podcast full time and they were going to be a sponsor for the show, I would automatically say yes. Like because, you know, I love doing this and I could sustain a living doing it than I would because that's a dream job. Right. But um, if somebody was trying to offer me like 50, $60,000 to pump a coin or something for him, I wouldn't take it. It's just, that's just not the way I'm built. It just, you know, I don't know if you guys can see those two differences. I know it kind of sounds dumb, but in my head, it makes sense. But anyways, it's, it, there's people that are out there for that. And obviously John McAfee is, John McAfee is putting his name out there. He will pump your coin. But um, I, I feel like, I feel like that kind of stuff, unfortunately, it still goes on to, still goes on in crypto. So Yeah. Anyways, next up, we got Bancor Network launches native wallet with built-in token conversion. So the Bancor Network, a decentralized cryptocurrency exchange, is launching its native wallet with built-in automated token conversions. Bancor privately told Cointelegraph, the wallet symbolizes the next step in the company's development of liquidity solution aimed at making digital currencies operable by common users, including crypto amateurs. Uh, the Bancorp protocol makes tokens always available for buying and selling directly from within the wallet, giving users continuous access to any blockchain-based project, regardless of how frequently it's tokenized and traded on exchanges. It's It sounds cool, man. And Bancor, I wanted to get somebody here on the podcast to talk about Bancor, but they haven't responded back to my email. Um, I reached out to them via LinkedIn as well, and I got nothing. So... I'm hoping I'm hoping they will get on through the podcast to talk about their company because I think it's really cool what they're building out. But to um, but yeah, I mean, if you guys if you guys tweet at them, let me know. Tweet at them, say hey, through the podcast wants to interview somebody. Show them that we want to we want to get them on the show because I think it's pretty interesting what they're doing. But um, yeah, whenever they get back to me, I guess. Next up, we got the Federal Reserve's Board of Governors called Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies 
out of their extreme volatility on Tuesday. So check this out. This is what this is what Leah Bernard says. She sits. Oh, also I should mention she sits on central banks' powerful interest rate setting committee. She told this. She said this to an audience in New York City. She said one area that the Federal Reserve is monitoring is the extreme volatility evidenced by some cryptocurrencies. For instance, Bitcoin rose over 1,000% in 2017 and has fallen sharply in recent months. You know, that's that sounds concerning to her, but the way I read that is she doesn't understand <laughs> cryptocurrency. Because if she looked at the bigger picture, like the macro scale, if you step back, she says it dropped, but she failed to mention that it also went up 25% year over year. So if you took crypto where it was at last year, I think it was like at $1,000 or $2,000 and you, and you look at where it is this year, around $7,000, that's a 25% gain, you know, or I'm sorry, that's even more than 25% gain. Um, but what I'm saying is that, yes, it, it rose up to close to $20,000 and it shot back down to $7,000. But if you were to get invested in at crypto at $1,000, and even though it shot up at $20,000 and you didn't sell at that point and then it crashed back down to $7,000, you're still up. That's the thing that most people don't most people don't understand that if you just hodl, you'll be fine. And, and this is what they don't clearly don't understand because they're just looking at the crashes. She goes on to say, our assessment of these markets, markets is limited by their opacity. Nonetheless, we will continue to study them. Um, she also says that cryptocurrencies were unlikely to pose a threat to financial stability. I love that she said that. That tells me two things, guys. That tells me that the Federal Reserve is not taking cryptocurrency seriously, which is great. That's what we want. <laughs> the second thing, either they are taking it seriously, but they want to make money while they do it, which is also good, what we want. Either way, we're going to eat their lunch in the next five to 10 years, 15 years scaled out. It's, it's awesome. I can't wait. I can't. I can't wait. And a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people don't realize this, but people think that um, there's no way they're ever gonna let this come on board, or how are they gonna be? How are we gonna be able to use our Bitcoin and sell and Litecoin and stuff? I'm starting to think now, guys, that in order for that to happen, there's gonna have to be some other entity that comes out of nowhere and creates uh, not a bank. Maybe it's a decentralized bank. Who knows? Whatever it is. They're going to have to be the, 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 the company or the foundation, whoever they are, to, um, to let regular people hold their crypto in one spot or be able to use it with a debit card. Kind of what TokenPay is doing. Very similar to that where they're trying to get these. They're, they're, they, they released an ICO earlier this year. But um, what they're trying to do is they're basically trying to create a decentralized bank that people that are holding crypto can use to have like a debit card and they can use their debit card to, you know, spend their Bitcoin or whatever cryptocurrencies that they have, all fully functional coming from a, a private exchange that they hold. Um, so it's it's going to take something like that to be built for us to bypass these regular banks. Do you know what I'm saying? And I think that's the only way that's going to have to be a stepping stone in order to get these other banks on board because they're not going to come on board. Um, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, none of these banks are going to want to come on board with crypto. They're just not going to allow you to hold Bitcoin there. It's just it's a threat to them. So there's going to have to be some other entity there that's the, the middleman um, that's kind of like a stepping stone before the next company after them actually 
creates this. And I, I think it always takes two iterations of something to actually foresee something. And I, I think if you look at, if you just look at that, uh, and I'm hope I'm making sense. If I'm not, I'm sorry. But I, I think it. I think we were at a point where something's going to have to give, and somebody's going to have to create some kind of entity. And uh, the way crypto is going right now, in order for mainstream adoption to happen, even for millennials, you're going to have to have some kind of debit card or credit card that ties to your phone that you can just pay, you know, just automatically, just like if it, just like it, like like you could with a regular debit card or credit card. Do you know what I mean? And then at that point, you're putting the ball in their court to whether accept those cards at payment terminals. But that's another whole another bridge we have to cross when we get there. But I think that's I think that's likely the way to get, you know, mass adoption. I think what TokenPay is doing is smart, but I think those type of things have to be built. And this is why Jihan Wu came out recently in the past three or four weeks saying that he was going to create a, a decentralized bank for crypto holders. It makes sense. It, that stuff has to happen. Even if that's not the where all be all that we're going to end up, it, it still it still needs to be created so that way we have a stepping stone towards that. Um, last piece of news, Iran's government is debating a ban on Telegram over its ICO. So um, the Owl Monitor, Hassan, I can't pronounce that last name, Secretary of Countries High Council for Cyberspace yesterday pushed for Telegram to be blocked in Iran on state TV, saying... Telegram has officially announced that it will be used as an economic platform and Telegram will undermine the national currency of Iran. Um, the analysis parse that out, and I'm not going to get into geopolitics or anything like that. I'm just going to say that all governments are afraid of something like Telegram. And why shouldn't they be? This allows you, this allows any person in the entire world to have an, an encryption conversation with, um, with anybody, and that scares them deeply. Another thing you throw that in there is you throw payments, and that scares them even more because it's basically bypassing, you know, their whole foundation of what they built over the past hundred years or whatever. And this scares people. This scares, you know, this scares that generation of, of people so much. But to young people, it doesn't. Like to us millennials, it doesn't scare us at all. If anything, it it it, it, it kind of it gets me excited for the world, and it makes me believe that we're actually headed in a great direction. But to them, they see it and they see it as being scary and they shouldn't be afraid of that. Um, anyways, that's the last piece of news. And I did want to leave you with that because I think most people don't realize that, um, you know, all these old people that are around right now and they're in their 60s, 70s and they're making all these rules and other governments and stuff like that around the world, not just Iran. I feel like they really need to jump on board with this or they're going to be left behind. And it's just the way it is. I don't know what else to say. And I know I know I might sound like very arrogant by saying that to a lot of people that don't understand, you know, cryptocurrency or the blockchain. But it's just the truth. You know, it's just the truth. Um, just like they tell just like I, and, and, and I kind of equate it to when I was younger, people used to always say, oh, you need to stay in school. You need to do this. You need to do that. Turns out you don't need to do any of that. They were wrong. They were they were thinking like it was how they were growing up, not how it was going to be when I would be growing up. Hope that makes sense. Anyways, with that, let's get into our interesting video of the day. Cars. Interesting video of the day.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, today's interesting video comes from somebody whose opinion I really don't take seriously at all because he's from Wall Street and he understands the whole stock market and he's participated in price manipulation his whole life. So to him, <laughs> to him, you know, stocks make sense. So now, of course, you know, crypto is a big hot thing. So, of course, he's jumping into that because guess what? He needs to he needs to seem like he's up and up with uh, what's going on in the crypto space. And he's trying to apply the same logic that he's learned with stocks and apply it to crypto. And we all know that doesn't work. It just doesn't. Yeah, maybe a little bit. But when it comes to actually valuing this, these uh, these ICOs and valuing these uh, different tokens and utility tokens and all kinds of stuff, blockchain technology companies, uh, foundations, everything, when it comes to valuing that stuff, I, I feel like young millennials understand this the best. We just do. I feel like I do. I feel like I'm always on the right track with a lot of the stuff that I'm holding, and I try to pass it on to y'all. But anyways, you guys know how I feel about that, but I am going to say I do like to listen to what they have to say because I don't like to close my eyes or mind or ears to anything that I don't I disagree with. I think it's it's positive to listen to people's opinions that you do not agree with. So with that... Let's play what he says. Yeah. In fact, when I look at the cryptocurrency buckets, I see three separate buckets. There's a cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, which cannot be valued because they're currencies. They're crypto commodities. Ethereum is a crypto commodity. What's different about Ethereum is it's not marketed as a currency. It's marketed as a lubricant for smart contracts. And smart contracts are what the fintech, the blockchain revolution, is going to deliver. And if Ethereum can become a significant part of that business, you can value it as a commodity. And there are crypto assets, which are what the ICOs are, which can be valued as slices of businesses. So I think to view them all as useless and worthless is, I think, wrong. It's Karen, let me ask you something. In the, the original, I guess, internet bubble, 2000, did you find that you had the same ideas about difficulty of valuation and were there, or there were other metrics that got you comfortable then? You know what? I, 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 I love valuing difficult to value companies. It makes me strange. I get them wrong every single time. But I, that's what you got to do. <laughs> I, 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 so I valued, I valued Amazon every year since 97. I bought Amazon four times. I've sold Amazon four times. I didn't buy it at the right time. I didn't sell it at the right time. But to me, there is a way to value these companies. You cannot walk away saying, I don't understand a business, so I cannot value it. Because the older you get, the more of the world you're not going to understand. So if you take the Buffett view, most of the world is going to start to be off, you know, out of bounds for you. So I think we've got to try to value businesses, even if they're young, even if they're in places where everything is evolving, everything is changing. So I want to get back to Ethereum, since you think that we can evaluate or value Ethereum. How is it valued right now relative to how it's trading? I'll be quite honest. I think every single crypto asset is being priced right now. It's not being valued. What I mean by that is if you ask people why they're paying what they are for any of these crypto investments, you don't get a, a fundamental answer. You don't get a logical answer. You get an answer of, I think I can make more money on this. So I don't think any of these investments are being valued right now. They're being priced. But that's not unusual either. You could say the same thing about the dot-com sector in the late 90s is every company was priced. Eventually, valuations matter. Yeah, he fails to mention that Amazon doesn't doesn't even make a profit. Uh, he also fails to mention that Facebook, you know, barely started making a profit. Snapchat doesn't make a profit. Like I could go on and on and on with the different companies that don't make profits. Even the companies that do make profits, like Apple, like Microsoft, those companies 
big companies, they're valued lower than Amazon. So you tell me, <laughs> you tell me who's right on this, Aswath. Are you right because you're saying that cryptocurrencies are not valued correctly and that they're not making any money and Ethereum's not making any money right now? Or are you saying that it's okay if they're not making money unless they become like Amazon? This is this is where his his whole position on that makes completely doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense because if it made sense, then companies like Microsoft and and Google and, and Apple would be valued higher than Amazon. The reason Amazon is valued higher today than those companies is because of its potential. Not because it's making any money, because it's not. Anyways, that's just my two cents, guys. This is why when we talk about coins on Thrower Podcast, I explicitly will say, this is a coin I think will be this or this in a year or two. I always give you an explanation as to where these coins are going. I tell you, this is why I'm so hard on TCRs. This is why I'm so hard on coin talk. This is why I'm so hard when we do like a, a, a episode on a, on a token. This is why people hated me on Reddit when it came to Oh My's Go because I explained to them that Oh My's Go is still two years away and it's overvalued at $18 when we did the, did the recording. And when it got to under $10, I said, now that's more like it. I could, I could definitely see that being the correct price for it. But I got so much shit for it. But turns out, you know what? The car is right again. And this is why I tell you guys, I just understand this space really well. It's just something about uh, technology and this, um, this feeling I get when it comes to looking at these companies and seeing what they're really made of. And I just can kind of pierce through them. Not a lot of people can do that, but I'm trying to do my best to teach every one of you to become very quality investors, especially in crypto. But anyway, with that, let's do a special TCR today because we're not going to be here tomorrow. We're taking the day off for studying and Friday. Let's do it. TCR starting now. We have a telegram. Coin request. Coin request. Coin request. We have a telegram. So today's telegram comes from v, comes from No Name. Yeah, No Name. He's at it again. He's in there. He's in our telegram group and he's just like, hey, do you guys know about this one? Hey, do you know about this one? <laughs> and uh, I love it. I love it because it keeps me on my toes. I love it, No Name. Keep them coming. So this one he wants us to look at today is called Via Coin. V-I-A is the abbreviation. And it is priced at $1.25, which is, which is nice. That's a nice price. It's down. It's down today. Actually, well, let's refresh. It might not be down after all. Let's go back. So yeah, it's a dollar twenty-eight now because <laughs> we refreshed. It's down nine percent today. But let's take a look here. So it came out here in twenty fourteen. Oh wow. Oh wow. You got yourself a nice little coin here. Twenty fourteen. It came out at ten cents. It got as high as 34 cents and it got as high as 87 cents by the end of 2014. In 2015, it kind of just went sideways, 21 cents, 19 cents, and then it went down. Oh, wow. And then in May, it went down to like 
less than one tenth of a cent. And it's just been kind of sitting there for pretty much the whole year. People forgot about it. Then in 2016, it made its way to a penny in May of last year. No, no, I'm sorry. 2016 was two years ago. It made itself to a penny in May and it pretty much stayed at a penny, two pennies the whole year in 2016. So it really hasn't done anything until 2014. But yet, wait a second, in January of 2017, it got to three cents because 2017 was the breakout year for all cryptocurrencies. And it got to 22 cents by mid-May. Then in the frenzy of it all, it got to $1.36. Then September. Then, of course, November got to $1.40. And then at the height, it jumped. It went from a dollar. The dollar forty in Thanksgiving, all the way to six dollars and sixty-five cents in January, and it's been crashing ever since. And now it's back at a dollar eighteen. So that's a hell of a ride. <laughs> that's a hell of a thriller ride. Okay, so let's take a look here. Let's go check out their markets. So it looks like they're on Binance, Bitrix, Yobit, Polynex. They're on everything. That's good. Look at their social graph. Let's check their Reddit. Looks like they update here. Pretty much every day. That's good. That's good. They have a nice little um, style with them. Via coin on the right side. Do they have anything about the coin? No, they don't. That's a big mistake, guys. So you get you get a ding for that. If you don't know even how to put a description of your own coin on your subreddit, I'm sorry, you're getting dinged for that. Uh, at this point, come on. Now let's look at their website. Let's take a look at their website. Wow, really nice website. Features, new hardware wallet support. Looks like they're on the Ledger Nano S and the Ledger Blue. Cool. So that's good. Viacoin is an open source cryptocurrency created in 2014, derived from the Bitcoin protocol that supports embedded consensus with an extended op return of 120 bytes. Viacoin has a total supply of 23 million coins with mining reward having takes place every six months. Okay. Let's see here. We got uh, proof of work. I'm uh, not seeing anything interesting here. Looks like it's just a bunch of dudes behind hiding behind their screen names for the development team. Um, they're pretty much on every wallet on every Mac OS, Windows 32, Windows 64 bit, Ledger wallets. Let's take a look at their GitHub, see if anything's being created. Uh, looks like they are working on some stuff here. Latest release was five days ago. They have change logs. That's good. Now let's take a look. Issues. There are no open issues. No pull requests. Yeah, really. Let me. It looks like I have to sign in to see more information. Uh, there's like 22 people watching it. Not seeing anything here. Of any value. Okay, so let's go to the code. Okay, 14,943 commits. Well, that's over four four years. So looks like uh, the last big update was done six days ago. And before that was 15 days ago. And before that was six months ago. Okay. Bitcoin is experimental digital currency that enables instant payments, testing, translations, just not seeing anything, just not seeing anything of value. So look here at their roadmap. It looks like they have a roadmap for 2018. So they're gonna be restructuring the database. Uh, 
here in the beginning of 2018, they're 20% complete. They're working on uh, optimizing the peer-to-peer -peer network, valid block assertion. Yeah, it looks like they have uh, smart contracts, Ethereum compatible smart contracts. Um, looks like they're just doing a bunch of upgrades, Zap Lightning Network Wallet. Looks like they're just doing a bunch of upgrades. That's all they have right now for Vcoin. Um, I don't know what to tell you on this one, no name. This is one where, uh, I mean, for $1.28, let's, let's look at it. Let's look at it that way. $1.28 is priced at. Do we think it's going to get back up to $10 again where it was? I mean, I don't, I don't know, man. I just don't. I don't see it. Doesn't mean it's not. And let's take a look at their Reddit. Looks like their community has 2,000 people in it. So, I mean, I guess, I mean, they, they, I guess what they're trying to be is just another currency. And I feel like at this point, that's just not enough anymore. I hate to say it, it's just not enough. And um, at $1.35 or $1.28 right now, you know, man, if, if it depends, no name, or if you're looking to make quick money on this, maybe it could get back up again. Maybe. And that, I mean that with very little bit of, little bit of maybe, um, if you're trying to hodl over the years, I would say definitely don't. There's other, much better coins you could, you could hodl on than via coin. Do I think it's an interesting project? No, I don't think so. I don't think it's an interesting project. Do they have everything like they're supposed to have? Yes, they do. Like they're doing everything right. They're doing upgrades from what I can tell. Um, they're updating their GitHub. Everything's fine there. But I'm, there's just no magic secret sauce there. There's like there's nothing interesting there. Do you know what I mean? Like there's no there's nothing. There's just not a secret sauce there, unfortunately. And they've been around since 2014. And at this point, you know, I, I feel like their time has passed. But I could be wrong. But at the same time, go for, go do your own research. Look at everything again. Um, but to me, would I purchase this? No, I wouldn't. Should you purchase this? That's going to be up to you, no name. But like I said, they're not really, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's just no secret sauce there. Like they don't have anything that I'm like, whoa, that's cool. Or it's just, it's just trying to be a digital currency. And yeah, I guess. I don't know if you're just trying to hold it, then I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't feel like it's going to double, but maybe it will. Maybe it'll get back to 10 bucks and it'll be, be surprised, but I'll be really surprised if it does. I feel like at $1.28, there's better coins out there that you could purchase with a bigger upside than via coin. But that's my two cents. Anyways, with that, let's get into coin talk. Oh, yeah. It is time. Everything you have been waiting for. That's right. That's right. Here we go. Some coin discussion, some coin talk. Oh, yeah. I love this. This is my favorite part of my day, guys. You know this. I know this. Got to bring up something, though. So apparently today, and you know, it's funny, man. Like fucking crypto is hilarious sometimes. When everything, when one coin is getting a lot of attention, there's so many people out there holding other cryptocurrencies. They will do whatever it takes to get on that subreddit and increase the FUD. And that's what's happening with Verge. They, they are just getting attacked on their subreddit. Like people are in there 
chiming in on how Verge is a scam, chiming in how the the person behind the develop, the lead developer is just scamming for an exit strategy, all this stuff. Just like throwing anything they can. There's YouTube videos being created on this. And a lot of it comes from just just one of those negative Nancys. <laughs> or a, a, most of it just comes from, you know, people just jealous. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's 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 just the way crypto is, I guess. You know, it kind of sucks that everybody tries to get inside these their own little camps in crypto and it feels like, dude, we're all trying to we're all trying to change the world together. Why not just you know, be one big family, be one big crypto family instead of trying to break into these little camps. All you're doing is, you know, all this infighting is not going to help, you know, you know, cryptocurrency or blockchain technology grow. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like this, this is happening again. Apparently there was a network attack on Verge. Um, some blocks um, were, I don't even know, man. According to Bitcoin Talk, they say here, there's currently a you know, 51% attack going on XVG with exploits of blug and retargeting the XVG code. Usually to successfully mine XVG blocks, every next block must be a different algorithm. So for example, script, then X17, then Lara, etc. Due to several bugs in the XVG code, you can exploit this feature by mining blocks with a spoofed timestamp when you submit a mine block. And it goes on and on and on. And they explain this and it's it's kind of one of those things where it's like, man, I feel like some of these people... I feel like some of these people are just um, doing whatever they can to take down Verge. They don't want to see them succeed. It kind of sucks. But this is this is what it takes to be in the top top ten. Um, you know, there's tons of coins that are really high up there in, in my in my appreciation. Uh, Stellar's one of them. Cardano's one of them, and they get fudded on all the time. You know, every 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 coin takes takes some fud. And Verge is has a spotlight on it. It was up 45%, 48% yesterday. So, of course, it had even more spotlight on it. And uh, they even had a Forbes article written about them. And then people were saying that, oh, no, they paid for that Forbes article. So they're, they're just – people are just combating whatever they can to take that coin back down. Right now, it's currently at $0.05. Cents. It was up at $0.07 cents earlier today. Went back down to $0.05. Cents. I'm not surprised. I mean, there's so much FUD being thrown at Verge right now. They just don't want to see it succeed. And um, whatever. It's whatever. But me, I'm still I'm still holding on to my Verge. I'm not going to sell it. I've had Verge. I've had Verge for a very long time. I sold it when it got to a certain percentage and made a lot of profit on it. Right now, I've, I have purchased a lot of it at $0.03. Cents. It got to $0.07. Cents. Not, it never crossed my mind to sell, even with all these attacks that are happening to Verge right now. It's not crossing my mind to sell at all either. I'm just looking at it like, it's fun, man. It's fun. Let's see what happens tomorrow. I'm sure there's going to be a bigger attack. And you can kind of see if you're looking at the, if you're looking at TradingView for Verge, you can kind of see where you see all these dumps right when the, when they said they got attacked, people just started dumping. And then you have the buyback. People started buying back in. They were like, screw that. They started buying back in. And now it's starting to pump back up. And then now it's trying to dump. But this is all this is all normal. This is what I said was going to happen. I didn't foresee a network attack on it, but I, I did foresee this happening. I said yesterday, listen to yesterday's podcast. I literally say it verbatim. It's going to get to seven cents. People are going to take some money. Then they're going to pull back back down to five. Then it's going to get pulled back up to, to eight or nine. Then they're going to take some money. 
pull back down to seven. Then it's just going to keep going like that back and forth. And this is just how every coin plays out. It's kind of funny how I'm just foreseeing the shit before it happens. And it's not it's not just from like my complete lack of uh, arrogance or something that I'm getting this right. No, it's just that it's just this is the way crypto rose, man. I wasn't I was sure that it was going to be pulled back because people were going to take some profits. I didn't expect them to have this whole FUD campaign against Verge that caused a pullback. But it's still the same thing. It's still pulled back. But it'll climb back up to seven, eight or nine. I think by the weekend we'll be at around nine, ten cents, maybe. I just hope that we can get to 20, 25 cents before the 16th. I think that'll be great. I think at that point I would probably pull out. Um, there have been some rumors. Um, it's funny. People are still people are still saying Amazon. That's just crazy talk. There's no way in hell Amazon would partner with Verge. <laughs> I don't even think Amazon would partner with anybody, much less much less Verge. Uh, they wouldn't even partner with Bitcoin or Litecoin, which are you know which are great you know payments systems. But um, I think I personally think I personally think it's going to be a game company like Steam or something. I personally think it's going to be that or, you know, th- they were saying today that it could even be token pay. Um, that was another thing, too. But I think token pay has already agreed that it would be Bitcoin that they were going to work with. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think uh, I think I think what Sunrock is saying, I think is true. I don't he might be exaggerating on the the name, how big it is. But I think uh, I think they do have a partnership. Um, I just don't see I just don't know somebody that would get in front of camera, get in front of a camera and say they're going to do this, this and this. And then for them to and then for them to lie about it. And yeah, we saw the whole BitConnect thing happen. Right. But this is a developer. This is a guy with a live uh, livelihood. He has a family, obviously. He has a house. Um, I'm sure if he was like just pumping this coin and um, and then, you know, exit strategy kind of thing, I feel like I feel like people would go knock on his house. How scary that sounds. But I feel like they would just because, you know, we've seen that before in crypto. Like so. You know, people need to start waking up that everything you say, do, or, 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 or even think about, much less talk about, you know, on the internet is gonna, is shared with everybody. You know, it's shared with everybody. Everything that you type, comment, it's all shared with everybody. People need to wake up and realize that you can't be a sleazeball anymore and expect to get away with it. That's just not gonna happen. And I, I don't think, I don't think he's trying to do that. I really don't. Uh, it's just, there's no, I'm pretty good at my bullshit meter when it comes to meeting people. And he doesn't strike me as somebody that's being bullshitted. Um, you know, he doesn't strike me as somebody that's like either being bullshitted by the company he's talking to or being, or bullshitting people. Um, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. This is crypto could all end very badly. <laughs> Either way, it's going to be a fun ride. I can't wait to see what happens. But yeah, I'm still holding my Verge. I haven't sold anything yet. So if you guys are wondering, um, like I said, I'm going to sell like around the 15th, 14th. Um, if it gets, you know, it's going to be interesting though. If it gets to like, because I, you know, I, I love collecting these coins, but if it gets to like 25 cents in the next couple days or whatever, I don't think it will. But if it does, you know, I might pull out then because there will be a pullback at 25 cents. If, if that happens, if it if it goes parabolic where, you know, if because there, there very well could be like some well out there like Mark Cuban or something coming in and buys Verge. I'm not saying Mark Cuban is, you know, comes in, buys Verge, you know, millions of them. 
and causes this thing to just go parabolic. And then at that point, yes, I'm definitely going to sell. I'll, I'll put it in the Telegram when I do, but I don't think that's going to happen. But if that did happen, I would definitely sell at tw- at 20 cents and then expect a pullback. But um, this could very well become like the next like the next ripple during Christmas time. Um, but I feel like what's going to happen, what what's likely to happen is just these pullbacks. You're going to have it's going to hit eight or nine cents and it's going to pull back to six. It's going to hit 10 cents. It's going to pull back to eight or seven cents. It's just going to happen back and forth. People are just taking profits. It's just the way crypto is. You can't you can't stop that. People like people like to take profits where they can. But um, me, I like to just bypass that and get to the end. I don't I'm very patient. I'm not, I'm not one of those that's just impatient when it comes to crypto. I'm pretty patient. Uh, with that, let's get into our disclaimer because we haven't even played that yet. I could be held liable for all this, what I've said. So I should mention this is not financial advice. Everything that I say on this podcast is not financial advice, by the way. It's just for entertainment purposes, obviously. But with that, let's still play our disclaimer, though. We have to play Remember, Thriller Podcast does not give financial advice. He cannot tell the future, even if he thinks he can. He is just some dude trying to save the world one Satoshi at a time. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get into coin talk. That's right. So it looks like Bitcoin is at $6,841. This was expected. I said yesterday it got up to 75. It was going to drop back down to 71. It was around there. Close enough. Got Ethereum at $380. Came back down, way down. Didn't see that happening. Obviously, I thought Ethereum was going to be well above 400 today. But with that, it's, it's fine. People don't realize the impact Ethereum's going to have in the short term. Got Ripple at 50 cents, looking good. Got Bitcoin Cash at 649. Litecoin at 118. EOS at $5.74. Got Cardano going back to 15 cents. This still gives me time. I hope Cardano, this is another thing. I hope Cardano and Stellar still stay at this price when Verge climbs. That way I can take all my Verge profits and move them over to Cardano and Stellar again. That would be awesome. Um, it's just, I, I really want to build a big pile of Stellar and Cardano <laughs> at this point. Uh, we got Neo at $47, IOTA at 99 cents. Oh, IOTA at 99 cents. Nice. Monero at 169. That's a steal. Holy shit. I should buy some Monero. Man, that's a good, that's a good price for Monero. We got Dash at 299, Tether at 99 cents. Wow. How the fuck is Tether at 99 cents? Oh my God. I don't know. One of these days, and I really don't want to, but if you guys ask for it, one of these days, I'll do a Tether episode. We'll go through the whole fucking history, you know, if that's what it takes. But I really don't want to do that because it sounds like the most important. It's like, you know, these whole like, I, I don't know. We'll get into it next time. NEM at 22 cents. We got TRX Tron at three cents. We got Ethereum Classic, $13.66. We got Verge, five cents. Holding strong. Man, there's so many, there's so much fun on Verge right now. It's hilarious. I can't wait. Man, imagine what's going to happen to Verge if it, you know, if what everybody says is true and it gets to the top 10, there's going to be so many people hating on Verge. 
But then again, man, this Verge is one of the it's one of the only cryptos that reminds me of Bitcoin in the early days. It very much does. Very much does. Um, the amount of hate for Verge is just it's just amazing. Uh, but, you know, it's it's cool. It's cool. It's one of those it's one of those badass coins that just I just like it. I like I like the community. I think it's I think it doesn't take itself too seriously. And I like what they I like I like that the developer doesn't give a fuck either. Uh, you know, that's one of the things that kind of drew me to Verge was that his whole like playfulness when it came to like hitting deadlines. He was like, well, I'll hit the deadline when I hit it. And then when he did it, hit the deadline, people were so upset and they started dropping their Verge. And he's like, I don't care. Drop it. And it's, I love that attitude because it just shows me like he doesn't give a fuck. And in crypto, that's that's the whole thing. Not giving a fuck because who gives a shit? It's not about the money. It never was about the money. So I, I just love that attitude. And I feel like a lot of people that hold Verge have that same kind of mindset, you know. But with this partnership, this could, this could put Verge in the mainstream. I hope it doesn't. <laughs> I hope it doesn't put it in the mainstream. I mean, yeah, I would like to see a return on Verge. But at the same time, I don't want to see it go too mainstream because uh, I feel like it would lose a lot of its... A lot of what makes it great. But that's just my two Satoshis. You got Oh My Is Go at $8.25. Now that's a good buy at that price. Yeah, maybe if we can get it down to five bucks. But at $8, close enough. We got Icon at $2.05. Zcash, $1.83. We got Steam at $1.92. We got Waves, baby. We got Waves, $3.60. See a coin at one penny. We got Bitcoin Diamond, $2.26. Man, I don't know why. Something's calling my name for Bitcoin Diamond. It just is. I don't know why. I don't know if it's just that diamond logo. So it's you know, this is where my addiction to holding to holding coins and being a coin collector comes into play. Cause I see something like Bitcoin Diamond BCD and I'm like, hmm, I want me some Bitcoin Diamond. I want me some Bitcoin Diamond. And it's one of those where I don't want to give up my private keys just to get some Bitcoin Diamond. It's just not worth it. So I'd rather I'd rather just get it, you know, from an exchange. What exchange can I get it from? Binance? Okay, cool. I might give me some Bitcoin Diamond. Maybe just get a couple of coins. I just want to have it in my collection, honestly. It's you guys know the way I am. Eternity at $1.42. We got status, nine cents. Dogecoin at two two tenths of a cent. Okay, okay. We got Ardor, 30 cents. We got Walton Chain at $9.28. We got Pivx at $3.83. We got Qcoin shares, two dollars and twenty nine cents. Digibyte at one penny. We got oh Ethos dollar eighty eight. It's not bad. Funfair back down to two cents. Oh wow, I might pick up some Funfair too. That's a good price. Funfair at two cents. That's nice. That's a steal right there. Uh, we got Storm at three cents. Power Ledger back down to thirty two cents. We all know where that's going to be by the end of the year. Honestly, Power Ledger might be for sure $1.50 by the end of the year, but it could be at three bucks. It's not bad. 32 cents right now. Got red coin at four tenths of a cent. Uh, it's peaking a little bit. We might be. Yep, yeah, yep. Okay, we got dent at one penny. Uh Ember coin at $2.20. Syndicator at six cents. That's about where it belongs, honestly. And I think that's it. Polymath, 32 cents. That's taking a big hit. And a chain at 18 cents. A chain, that's a good coin to hold. Um, I think that's it for the most part. Really, nothing else going on. Oh, singularity.net at 11 cents. Wow, that's that's pumped a little bit. But for the most part, that's uh that's uh coin talk today. 
really not a lot going on. A little bit of red today, not so much. Uh, it really depends on when you look at the coin market cap today. Today's one of those days where we're just going sideways. Um, we're not seeing a lot of dumping anymore, which is great. I mean, yeah, people are taking profits, obviously, but eventually that's just going to stop with the amount of good news that's going to be coming out for crypto here pretty soon. Um, second quarter, baby. Second quarter. We're making our way slowly but steadily in May and in April. We're making our way. Anyways, with that, man, I really want to give me some Bitcoin Diamond, though. $2.23 is not bad per Bitcoin Diamond. I don't know. I just want to, I just want to collect that one. Anyways, let <laughs> me stop talking about that. Anyways, we need to get into our main topic. So today we are talking Bitcoin. I love Bitcoin. You guys know that. We're talking Bitcoin year one. What happened in year one? Are we going to start at the inception? Yes, we are. We're going to go through the timetable. What happened in year one? Could be an exciting main topic. If not, we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> Just kidding. No, it'll be an exciting main topic. Stay tuned. Starting now. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get into it. Bitcoin year one. Now, we are just going to talk about year one. We're not going to go into any other year but year one. Yes, we'll give you some explanation on it. But for the most part, I want to stick with year one. So gather around right now. Gather around your, your MP3 player or <laughs> actually your cell phone or raise the volume because it's story time. So once upon a time, there was Bitcoin. Well, not technically there wasn't Bitcoin. We got to get into the prehistory. Now, the prehistory actually starts in the 1970s. In its early days, cryptography was mostly used in secret by military agencies. However, this changed when the concept was made public by the United States government's publication. Now, in the 1980s, there's a paper called Security Without Identification by Dr. David Chom, and it was released covering topics like anonymous digital cash and reputation systems. Over the 1990s, the cypherpunks group founded in San Francisco was the next big thing when it came to mailing lists. Now, in the 2000s, the creation of cyberpunk money was a major event in the 2000s and 2004. Nick Sabo published a proposal for Big Gold, which was built upon Finney's RPOW. Then, in 2008, an anonymous person registers domain Bitcoin.org, and thus ensues a peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash system. Now, let's get into what people on the ground thought of Bitcoin when it first came out. Now, these people were there from its inception. Let's take a listen. When I first heard about Bitcoin, it seemed just like this very stupid magic internet money. I didn't really think it was very impressive at all. And I kept reading, and within a couple hours, I became absolutely hooked. I was skeptical at first, didn't think it could possibly work, but have the skills to actually go in and look at it and convince myself that technically it was correct that it could actually work. It was just a, an experiment to begin with, but I could see the potential with it. It's a fundamental innovation. That's, that's how I think of it. Bitcoin is the most important invention, um, at least since the internet. Ask yourself, which is more important in your life, money or email? And I think most people will say money, so this is bigger than email. It's just an incredibly novel and interesting solution to problems. Now, before we go any further, I want to do this correctly because I feel like 
Satoshi Nakamoto worked so hard on this that we have to do this justice. And I want to read you the very first paragraph of the Bitcoin white paper because it's pure genius. It really is. It's going to be hung in a museum one day. Okay, let's do it. Bitcoin, a peer-to-peer electronic cash system. Satoshi Nakamoto. Abstract, a purely peer-to-peer version of electronic cash would allow online payments to be sent directly from one party to another without going through a financial institution. Digital signatures provide part of the solution, but the main benefits are lost if a trusted third party is still required to prevent double spending. We propose a solution to the double spending problem using a peer-to-peer network. The network timestamps transactions by hashing them into an ongoing chain of hash-based proof-of-work, forming a record that cannot be changed without redoing the proof-of-work. The longest chain not only serves as proof of the sequence of the event's witness, but proof that it came from the largest pool of the CPU power. As long as a majority of CPU power is controlled by nodes that are not cooperating to the attack the network, they will generate the longest chain and outpace attackers. The network itself requires minimal structure. Messages are broadcast on a best effort basis and nodes can leave and rejoin the network at will, accepting the longest proof of work chain as proof of what happened while they were gone. It's brilliant. It, it, I mean, it's brilliant. I'm going to put a link to the white paper in the show notes. Um, it's only nine pages long and it distills everything about the blockchain in those nine, nine pages. I highly recommend you guys look at it. Now we're going to dive into the year as a whole. The first year, year one. Now, this whole phenomenon was based on Satoshi Nakamoto's vision. Now, who he was, where he was, and what happened in that first year is crucial. So with that, let's get started. Bitcoin was invented by Satoshi Nakamoto. As far as I know, no one has actually met Satoshi. No one knows who he or she or they are. I've never talked with Satoshi, although I have communicated with him electronically by email or on online forums. Satoshi started working on Bitcoin, he says, in 2007, and it actually took him a couple of years to convince himself that he could actually create a system that would work, that would solve this problem of how do you create a money where there's no single person or organization or government in charge. He started posting to a cryptography mailing list where he described kind of at a high level how it would work and started to get feedback from people on uh, his idea. I believe it was the beginning of 2009, he released a, an academic paper that described the system in detail. And he also started up Bitcoin. He actually released the code for the system and started it running. Coming from a crypto background, I mean, one of the first things I did was I read the paper. When you read the paper uh, and you have that background, you think, this is very good. <laughs> you think, you know, there, there are kind of 50 things that might be wrong with a proposal like this. And I thought, this answers all those questions. I mean, I thought, this is some very high quality work. So the key problem that Satoshi solved that made the whole system work was uh, a solution to what's called the double spending problem. So if I have this digital asset 
that I want to give to somebody else, how do you prevent me from giving it to two different people at the same time? Because obviously if it's digital, it's easy to copy. And Satoshi came up with a, a brilliant system for, if you try to do that, if you try to double spend and give the same Bitcoins to two different people at the same time, everybody notices and then one or the other of those transactions is considered valid and the other one's just ignored. So solving the double spend problem was the key technical breakthrough that, that made Bitcoin possible even. Bitcoin answers another question in a magical way, which is, you know, could a bunch of people who don't trust each other all agree on when something happened so precisely that you could use it to transfer value, right? Um, and that sounds like, you know, who've never met each other and will never meet just by passing messages. And, you know, I mean, the immediate answer to that is, like, no way, no way. You need someone who's trusted in the middle to tell people what happened. You need, you know, you need all these other things. So I, I do think it's, it's, it's incredible genius. He's obviously had some academic training because he wrote this academic white paper that, you know, is in the style of a peer-reviewed academic journal article. And he's obviously a genius. I mean, not only was he able to come up with the idea, but he was able to actually implement it, actually write code that made it work. And he was a genius on a lot of different levels, which I think is really rare and uh, fascinating, and I'd love to meet him someday. Satoshi sort of, I think, exists now in the Bitcoin subconscious almost. Things are named after him. It'll be a little bit like finding out who Santa Claus really is if Satoshi's ever revealed. Like, I think it'll be a blow to the collective psyche of Bitcoin. One interesting thing, there are some emails that have come out recently uh, that indicate one of, you know, a 90s era cryptographer was working on some of the stuff that pretty clearly turned into Bitcoin. Um, that's a small community, so it's probably, you probably narrow it down to 30 to 50 people uh, that could have been working on it. I don't know who's had the last interaction with Satoshi. It might have possibly been me. My very last email to Satoshi, I actually had told him that I had been invited to give a talk at the CIA. So he had already told me that he was going to step back. Um, I don't know if me telling him that I was going to visit the CIA was the reason I've never heard from him again, but I certainly think it didn't help. And that's Gavin Andreessen. Uh, he's the one that ended up taking over uh, for the Bitcoin Foundation in um, 2010 after Satoshi left. And uh, he is part of the Bitcoin core team. And I think he just recently got removed from that position here in 2016. So this is year one. This is Bitcoin year one. This is his inception. Now, we could go to year two, but we're going to save that for another podcast. I just want to get these out slowly to give you guys a better understanding year by year of what happened. Because this is a significant event in human history, and I think it needs to be uh, it needs to be shared. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Let's get on to the end of the show. If you
without saying that um, Bitcoin is a big deal and I know a lot of people forget that they see the day-to-day swings and they try to take advantage of it they try to fork it they try to do everything in their power to take down Bitcoin and to me that's just a shame Sakatoshi Nakamoto really built something really built something in 2008 and 2009 it was likely something they had been working on his whole life and was willing to die on the sword to achieve it this guy was a genius on so many different levels that's why I say my Bitcoin save the world see you next week this is the end of the show you have been Likely won't come true. It is up to you.